0: Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I wanna thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Man, it's important to know who you are. I learned a long time ago that the enemy attacks where you do not know. I said, the enemy attacks where you do not know. The areas you are the most... Ignorant are the areas where the enemy will boast the greatest stance in our lives. And so it's important that we know some things. Amen? It's important that we gain some knowledge. And then the second thing I learned is that once you know, it's extremely dangerous to revert back. I said, it's extremely dangerous to revert back. Once you have gained knowledge or once you have gained understanding in an area to live beneath that where you once may have operated out of grace and out of mercy, the, the, the grace can lift and can become smaller. And so what happens is is you become susceptible in an area where you exercise great grace in your life before out of ignorance. Now that you know something and you don't live up to what you know, That's dangerous. That's dangerous. So we have to continue to apply what we learn. We have to continue to apply what we gain knowledge in, and we can never revert back or digress to um, a level of understanding that we once were before. Acts chapter 4, it's just a word tonight. I don't really know what that means besides, uh, you know, I, I don't know that it's a series. Maybe it will be. Maybe this is something we'll keep. Going on on you know continuing on Wednesdays the Lord does that a lot He'll get me started on a tangent I can't cover it all in one service we'll just pick up next week where we left off Amen um, but I've just got a word that's just been stirring here in Acts chapter four here in Acts chapter four if you will turn to Acts chapter four and um, we'll just see how the Lord puts all this together. Let me catch you up. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is speaking with his disciples for the very last time. Uh, This is right before his ascension. And in doing so, Jesus lets them know uh, that they need to tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, he calls him. He says, go to Jerusalem, tarry and wait. Group of you, we know that he ministered to upwards of 500 people after his resurrection, but we only end up with 120 in the upper room. And these 120 went and tarried and waited on the Holy Spirit that Jesus pronounced in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls upon those 120. They're there in one accord. They're there united in prayer. Uh, They don't know exactly what they're waiting for. You know, they were sitting and waiting for something that they didn't know. You and I ought to be able to sit and wait for something we do know. They got the first one out the gate. We know what's coming now. We ought to be able to be open and receptive to the Holy Spirit by now. Amen? And so they were there waiting for the Holy Spirit. He comes and falls upon them. They're speaking in other tongues, tongues of fire on their head, a sound of as of a a rushing mighty wind going through the room. I mean, this was a big uh, moment. And then Peter gets up, boldly preaches uh, the the message there in Acts chapter 2 to all those that were standing around. Um, and then 3,000 come into the kingdom and at, at the end of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3, now we see the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit shows up where Peter and John are on their way to church, on their way to the temple at the gate called Beautiful. There's a lame man sitting there, and they don't see that lame man as they did before. It's, it's presumptive that this, guy had, this was a regular occurrence for him. They pass by this guy all the time. But now, empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to see things differently. You begin to respond to things differently. We need a Holy Spirit-filled church in these last days. We do not need a weak church. We do not need a disempowered church. We do not need an ignorant church. We need a church that is empowered and full of the Holy Spirit to properly exercise the kingdom of God and show the works of the Father. So now it's not just in demonstration, or now it's not just in speaking but now it's in demonstration. They look at this lame man and said, "Man, silver and gold we have none, but what we do have I give to you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk." And the man gets up and walks. Amazing miracle, amazing. Right here, we thought we got rid of these these crazy miracles in this man Jesus we thought we put him on the cross and put him in the grave and he's to be gone and 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 done with and now we've got the followers of Jesus you think that would be just a mighty amazing thing that happened in the city but unfortunately it caused an uproar it caused an uproar with those that thought they got rid of Jesus and so they came and grabbed Peter and John come with us and as far as they know, their lives are headed in the same dir- the direction the same direction that they saw their friend, their master, their Lord, die just days earlier upon that cross. And they stand before this group, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the, the rulers of the law. They're, they're wanting to carry out the same accusation, the same punishment upon them, threatening them. Don't you dare speak in the name of Jesus. Again, picking up with Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are arrested. They address the Sanhedrin and they they give uh, the same testimony that they give throughout the the gospel of Acts, sharing the gospel. In Acts chapter four, verse 13, it says this. This is after they gave their message. This was after, uh, uh, actually in Acts chapter four, verse eight, it says Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why that's in there. There's a reason why there's a comma filled with the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit and denying the Holy Spirit, we are susceptible to the enemy's attacks. Make no bones about it. He is attacking. He is roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. As a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion, but as a roaring lion, seeking to stop the plan of God, seeking to thwart the kingdom of God, seeking to to stop the fulfillment of the kingdom of God, which we know cannot be stopped. But Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, addresses these guys. And in verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled i tell you what, the Holy Spirit will make up the difference. Uneducated, untrained. It stood out to them, wait a minute. These are but mere fishermen. These are in society, they they, they should not be doing what they're doing. They should not be speaking as they're speaking. They should not be addressing us as they're addressing us. They should not be doing the things that they're doing. These are the, the, the low. Of of society. These are the, the bottom of the barrel. Uneducated, untrained men. But they saw their boldness, it says. And they marveled. And they realized they had been with Jesus. I wonder if people can realize we've been with Jesus. Realize it. See it. They didn't have to wear the t shirt, they didn't have a WWJD bracelet on their wrist. They didn't have a cross around their neck. Come on. They weren't wearing, uh, you know, any clothing that looked religious or looked Christian. They didn't have the bumper sticker on their car. Come on. What were they they recognizing as having been with Jesus? How they spoke. How they demonstrated the same things he did. How they sounded just like he sounded. This is incredible. Realize, uh uh-oh, they've been... With Jesus, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. I believe the day's coming. The world can't say anything about it. The world can't, they they can't deny it. They can't alter it. They can't say it's medical. They can't say well it was the doctors. They can't say it was a. Pro- They're gonna have to come down to this is simply a miracle of God. They will not be able. Deny it. I tell you what, the more that you get the fake stuff out of the way, the authentic rises to the top. The more that you get all the wishy washy things out of the way, the real begins to show up. The cream of the crop, the, the, the best that you've got begins to show up and rise to the top. And that's what happened here. There's no denying. There's no denying. Seeing that the man. Uh, that had been healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them. This is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But watch this, verse 17 but so that it spreads no further. Stop the spread, right? They're they're trying to quarantine Jesus. They're, They're trying to put the miracles of Jesus in isolation. Stop the spread, right? Shut it down to make sure it doesn't go any further. I didn't make it up. It's right there in your Bible. That's the New King James Version too. What shall we do? But to make sure, we can't deny what just happened to make sure it doesn't happen again, to make sure no one else gets it, to make sure no one else has it, to make sure no one else can perform or do these things. We have to make sure that we shut this thing down at its core. This is their answer. To make sure it doesn't spread any further, let us severely threaten them that from now on, they speak to no man in this name. And so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen. And heard, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For this man was over 40 years old, on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. It identifies that because it was uh, identifiable that this man had been healed. It was recognizable. It was distinguishable. This is only by the hand of God. We've seen this man for, for years after year after year sitting by this gate begging of alms and we've just watched a miracle on display. God on display. But notice, in these last days, this is a glimpse into the last days. This was the beginning of the last days. Now we are at the last of the last days. We are closing in. On the final days, this is where we have to lock in more than we've ever locked in. But on the inside of me is stirring. It's stirring because we've got work to do. In fact, I would put it this way. I believe we have makeup work to do. I believe, personally, we have makeup work to do we have to make up the difference of what crept into the church in just the last 15 to 20 years. Unfortunately, a direction that the church in general, especially in America, has taken has yielded the weakest, spineless church that this planet has ever seen. I'm serious about that. I believe the planet right now when you read the book of Acts and you read Hebrews and you read the, the, the letters to the Corinthian church and the letters to the, the church at Ephesus and the letters to the, to, the, that Paul wrote to Timothy, fighting, run your race so you know that you can finish. The, the words that were used were not words of, of, of apathy and becoming lethargic and sitting back and waiting for Jesus to come breaking through the, crowd, the, the clouds to take us all home. It was to finish the work that, has, that is yet to be done on the earth. And in a time where we need the church more than ever, what is the product that we have today? What is the product? Do we have a product that could be threatened as these men were and that they will maintain their ground? Do we have a product in the earth today? that can stand their ground against just the mere threats. Because threats are coming out. Threats are coming out. Just last week I was at a men's conference in, in Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and a good pastor friend of mine from the Detroit, Michigan area, I don't even know how he made it down. But he was sharing with me what is going on in Michigan he said, "You have to when you go into a restaurant, you have to give them your ID and your cell phone number when you go into the restaurant to sit down and eat, because they want to trace you. So we know who sat at that table at 2:35 p.m. till 3:15 p.m., eating lunch, and, and who's the next person to sit there, and they can keep a full log. So if this person shows up with it, we can go back to that person and go back and we'll go back until we find out who tested positive. We'll, we'll trace the whole thing. That's just to go eat. Imagine what it's like going to church. Imagine what it's like just to worship God. And they'll put it under the umbrella, under the name of of safety. But really, they have another agenda. Really, there's another agenda. It's to shut down the name of Jesus. It's to shut down the preaching of the gospel. I'm not saying this to scare you, and I'm not saying this to, to uh, make you, uh, you know, on edge and doom and gloom. Our best days are ahead of us. I said our best days are ahead of us. Our best days are ahead of us. But we better make sure that we can do as Peter and John did. They got off easy this time. But the next time they go to jail, and the next time they get beaten, And eventually they lose their heads. They couldn't even kill John. They had to just finally strand him out on an island to die all by himself. He's the only one that died a natural death. Out of all the apostles, out of all the disciples, all of them losing their lives in some way for the kingdom of God. The threats, the threats that come, how do we stand against the threats. They saw their boldness. They saw they had been with Jesus. They're seeing the miracles and the signs and the wonders. I have three things that the church needs in the last days. Three things the church needs in the last days. And I believe that each of these items has been directly opposed within the last 15 to 20 years in the church. Directly opposed. You can't blame the world for stuff when there's things that we're doing ourselves that we can correct and that we can align. Three things that I believe from this passage. Number one, we need people who have been with Jesus. We need people who have been with Jesus. Jesus. What we do not need in these last days is people with information. Cross that off the list. You can gain all the knowledge you want. You can go to all the seminary you want. You can get all the, the, the natural uh, uh, understanding. You can get all, you can, you can mount it up, man. Put the diplomas on your walls. Uh, brag to everybody everywhere you've been. All the conferences you attend. But if it doesn't become revelation, information will not save you in the last days. Information will not save you in these last days. We need revelation. We need revelation from God. God never intended his people, you and I, to operate on merely information alone. I'm talking about knowing him, not knowing about him. Jesus was very clear that there will be those that will do things in my name. And say, Lord, Lord, didn't we? Cast out demons. Didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we preach? And then he'll say, what? Depart from me. I never knew you. Intimately, closely knew you. We need people that have been with Jesus today. We have a wealth of information greater than this planet's ever seen. We have access to information more than we've ever had on the face of this planet. But is it helping us or hurting us? Is it bringing us closer or is it drawing us further away, pulling us further away? Is it giving us a mental ascent is what I call it, mental ascent, where I have a claim to something in my mind, but I don't truly believe it and become truly convinced and confident of it in my heart and in my spirit. It said that they had been with me. Jesus and they were uneducated and they were untrained. I'm not speaking against Bible school. I went to Bible school myself. I'm not speaking against learning and growing and, 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 and attending things that can build that capacity but it had better translate from your mind to your heart or we're going to be very disappointed. We spend numerous amounts of money on learning but we need people who have been with Jesus. Two ways that we can be with Jesus. Two ways that we can be with Jesus. Number one, his word. His word. John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then it jumps down to verse 14. It says, that word became flesh and dwelt among us. So before Jesus was the man in the flesh, he was the word In heaven, how can I get closer to Jesus? How can I get closer to this revelation knowledge? How can I be with Him? Get in His Word today. I believe we have a malnourished church. We have a word deficient church. We have a church that that, that gets texts and pop up messages of the verse of the day but are we really spending time in the word, with the word, knowing the word, getting the word deep down within our heart, allowing the seed of the word to be planted in the soil of our heart so that it can produce fruit 30, 60 and 100 fold. Are we applying the word, living the word, practicing the word? Are we hearing the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Are we putting the Word first in our lives. Cannot be malnourished in these last days. We cannot be deficient of the word of God in these last days. Paul encouraged Timothy, be a studier of the word. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A a, a workman that does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing. If it can be rightly divided, it can be wrongly divided. Rightly dividing the word of truth. He also tells Timothy that that in the last days, there will be those that will fall away from the faith, giving themselves to, to doctrines of demons, deceiving spirits. Why? Because they didn't hold value to the word of God. They were easily pulled aside. They were easily given a counterfeit because they didn't recognize the authentic, the word of God. How can I be with Jesus? Be in his word. John chapter 15 John chapter 15, keep your finger there in Acts chapter 4. John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. The cutting is coming either way. You can be cut off or cut on. I'd rather be cut on than cut off. Amen? that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And this is what he says, abide in me and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Abide in me, live in me, reside in me. Abide means to make your home. It's the opposite of visiting. It's the opposite of frequenting. It's the the opposite of just showing up when you need it. Hello. It's the opposite of scramming through the word, trying to find the verse uh, that applies to the situation that you're stuck in or the challenge that you're facing. It's the word hidden in your heart that you might not sin against him. It's the word that you can come against. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It divides between the soul and spirit. Hebrews chapter 4 verse says, that's the word of God. We need a church that is in the Word. And I take it a step further. Get a physical Word. I've tried the iPad. I'm going to be honest with you. I love technology. And I love the fact that I can have the Bible on it anywhere I go in any translation I want. But you know what else the iPad has? Notifications. It never fails. I won't get an email, text, phone call, nothing. I sit down to read the Bible. Everybody wants to get a hold of me. Newsweek wants to get a hold of me. New York Times wants to get a hold of me. Fox News wants to get a hold of me. Everybody all of a sudden, emails, phone calls, text. I need something that doesn't have any notifications where I can just shut it all off and put my mind in here, put my heart in here, and put this in my heart. Get you a physical word. And if you don't have a Bible, you can write in, throw it away, give it away, and get one you can. I'm old school. I don't care. There's some things that just, they work. They work. We've got to be a church that knows the word, values the word, is in the word. Mark chapter 4 tells us that the measure that we give to study Of the word is the measure we'll get out. What you're getting out is what you've put in. If it's deficient coming out, it's because it's depleted going in. Come on. We need a church that's in the word. Number one way to be with Jesus, in the word. Number two way to be with Jesus, be in the church. Be connected to his body. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Be connected to his body. The church of the living God. Romans chapter twelve. And uh, let's see, we want verse four. Romans 12 and verse four, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. It goes on to say that we have gifts that differ, but each gift is valuable. What are we saying? You cannot say you love Jesus, but are not a part of the body of Christ, the local church. It's impossible. It's impossible. I can't say that I'm close to Jesus, but I'm disconnected from his body. What, what body disconnected from the head is functioning and doing anything? The decapitated church is doing nothing in the earth today. The enemy wants nothing more than isolation. You are so vulnerable. You are so easy to be picked off. You're you're out there all by yourself. You don't have two or three to to gather together with, to get in agreement with, to stand on the word with. You don't have a pastor, a shepherd over your life, speaking into your life, correcting you, strengthening you, encouraging you, feeding you, and building you up. The edification of the body of Christ coming together, the, the fellowship of one another, using your gifts and your abilities for the advancement of the kingdom of God being a part of something bigger than yourself we have to be a part of the local church of the body of Christ and the Bible tells us to gather even more in these last days even more so are we supposed to to come together no wonder the enemy wants us sitting at home watching stuff on iPads thinking that getting a message is being in church Oh, no, that's just a mere element Church is a function, church is not an event, church is not a building, church is not a sign, church is a people that come together and they come out of the word ekklesia, Uh, uh, the, the Greek word ekklesia for the church means a calling out and a coming together coming out of your homes, coming out of your places, coming out of your messes, coming out of your issues, coming together as one. It's not about being perfect. It's not about not having any issues. It's about bringing your gifts and your strengths to the body of Christ so we can all advance the kingdom of God. I got a a friend in Ohio. They were meeting in a school. And Unfortunately, the school hasn't reopened. Therefore, their ability to meet in that location was compromised. So for several months, in fact, just within the last two or three weeks, they began meeting. They found a theater to meet in with restrictions and all that. You're blessed to have what you have here in Valdosta. I want you to know that. Mayor Matheson has done a phenomenal job of valuing the church. I called him up in the middle of, of April and I said, look, I know that we're shut down right now and we wanna honor that. That was your request. That was President Trump's request. But, but man, it's Easter's coming up. This is the biggest day of the year for us. We've got to gather. Is there any way? And I had pastors, several, I mean, not just a couple, several pastors that said, there ain't no way they're allowing drive-in services. They won't open up parking lots. They don't want us coming together for nothing. I said, I'm calling the mayor myself. I, he needs to tell me. You tell me, I'm not getting this, this, you know, secondhand hearsay stuff. You tell me I can't meet. And if you say that, I'll honor that because you're the government. You're the authority. And I'll honor you, but I'm going to bring my my protest. I said, Mayor Matheson, there's got to be a way we can meet in our parking lot. Drive-in service, man. We'll stay in our cars. We'll do whatever you tell us to do. We'll be the, sa- we'll be the safest church in, in town. But I promise you, we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we need to do. And he said, sure, absolutely. I have no problem with it. Pastor started calling me. <laughs> he said, he started, Pastor started, how are you doing? I talked to the man. Did you talk to the man or did you just take someone else's word? I talked to the man. And then the second we were able to reopen, we reopened. Bring in the body of Christ together. Bring in the body of Christ together. We've got to be together. My pastor friend in Ohio, they just opened two two or three weeks ago, and and, and there's an individual, uh, almost every Sunday, they they had these individuals, one of them literally, literally. I thought, you know, I've always used the term, uh, you know, you're just staying home in bed watching service. They were in bed watching service. They, they, they had the comforter, they had the blanket, they had the coffee mug, and they, they little snapped their little Instagram, lined it up, you know. They got their little cuddly socks on, and there's the pattern. I'm like, your building is open, and you elect to lay in bed. Come on, man. We've got to step this thing up. Do not forsake do not forsake, I said do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together and even more as the day draws near. How many of you think the day drawing near? I don't think it's drawing anymore. I think it's coming in hot. Like a locomotive. The day, steaming down the railroad tracks, coming straight for us. It's coming. We gotta be together. Two things that I believe have been compromised in in, in, in these last days. A value for the word of God and a value for being together with the brethren. Churches are meeting less and less. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say it needs to be like the old days and I'm not trying to brag, but man, I remember those revival services. They get to the end, they get on Friday and they turn around and say, we're doing another week. <sighs> As a 12-year-old kid, you're thinking, no, God, please. I just want to go home and watch TV. Another night at the church, playing with my cars. They didn't have cell phones to play with. you kidding me? You had to sit there or fall asleep. I fell asleep under pews. I fell asleep on pews. I fell asleep at the altar. My parents go down. I got to go down. I can't stay at the seat by myself. They drag me down there. I fall asleep down here. And the little old Pentecostal ladies, they come and pray over you anyways. And you don't get up until they're done. That's it. You, you, you done yet? I think you prayed that prayer 18 times. Like, got it. You cast out every demon that I didn't even know I had. <laughs> we love to be in church. We love to be together. Prayer meetings. I remember Tuesday night prayer meetings, man. Sanctuary, all dark you need to turn some lights we all gonna fall asleep in here got the soft music playing fall asleep under there too yeah we had Sunday morning service we had Sunday night service we had midweek service we had Thursday night small groups we had Friday night softball games we had functions we had get togethers we had outings now everyone's so busy church is like ah oh. come on Two things that I believe have been directly attacked in these last days. Because the enemy knows the power. Why? Because we need to be with Jesus. Obviously, spending time in the presence of God. But but people ask me, "How, how do I be with Jesus? How do I spend time with Jesus? Two easy ways. Being in the word, being in his church. That's being with Jesus. The second thing that we need in these last days, and this kind of connects to what I just said, but I'm gonna break it down a little further, because sometimes we're not always together even though we're together, but number two, what's needed most in these last days, unity of the company, unity of the company. In Acts chapter four, told you to keep your finger there I warned you. Y'all let your finger slip. Now you're having to turn back and find it. Acts chapter 4. Verse 22, they finished up their threats. In verse 23, it says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And being let go, they went to their own companions. One translation says they went to their own company. There is a unity of the brethren that we need in these last days like never before. Unity. And we're gonna have to fight for it. We're gonna have to be intentional and deliberate against anything that's divisive. Anything that wants to come in and bring a stronghold. Anything that wants to come in and bring brother against sister and sister against brother and mother against daughter and daughter against mother and father against son and son against father and black against white and white against black. We are going to have to be so deliberate in these last days that we will not be the, defi- the, the divisive ones. Jesus said, I am bringing a sword. You think I came to bring peace? I am bringing a sword, and I am coming to draw a line, and there will be a line drawn. But on this side of the line, we have to be as one. No weapon formed against the church will prosper, but a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. We cannot tolerate division." In these last days, if we don't sound like one, work like one, look like one, act like one, respond like one, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. It will not work. An army that is all doing their own agenda, it's not gonna work. Selfishness will not be tolerated. Come on, show me a football team that works. You know, which, you know which football teams usually don't work out? The ones that on paper look like they should work out? But what do you got? You got a bunch of hundred uh, $100 million a year players that all think they should be getting the ball every single play. So it doesn't work. So you know what teams usually end up? I mean, the, the, the World Series this year was the perfect picture. I wanted the Rays to win just to prove that you don't have to have all the money to be the best because a lot of times the ones that should be the best aren't why because they have their own agendas they're selfish they're not selfless we need a selfless unified mission missional mission mission led church in these last days Man, we all get on our own things. We get on our own programs. We get offended so easily. We get hurt so easily. We we get our hearts all bent out of shape with bitterness. And, you know, 98% of the time, it's assumption. If you would have just had a conversation with the person, you would have known what they really thought, what they were really thinking, how they really felt. But instead, we decided to create in our mind what we thought they were saying and how we would respond and then how they would respond to us and how we would respond and create this whole scenario. Share it on Facebook. Tell a couple friends. Come on now. That church is not doing anything in these last days. They're going to get pummeled. They're going to bend over. They're going to fold. They're going to shut down. We need to unify. They came to their own company. In the midst of a threat, in the midst of attack, you better have a place to go to. You better have a place that is safe. you better have a place that has your best interests at heart. You, have, you better have a place better surround yourself with some people that you know are standing in your corner, and you don't need a lot. You don't need a lot of people. But we have to have a unified front. We have to have a unified front. Number one, in these last days, we need people who have been with Jesus. Number two, we need unity of the company. Number three, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Going on as they prayed, Once they came together, verse 24, when they heard that, what? The threats? They raised their voice to God with one accord, right? Y'all see that? With one accord. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant, Boldness, they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They weren't praying for God to smite their enemies. They weren't praying for God to expose the darkness. They weren't praying to God to to eliminate all the threats, uh, to make it easy on us, uh, give us a life of comfort and convenience. They prayed, may you grant to us more boldness, more boldness, To speak your word in the midst of these accusations, in the midst of these threats, again, to stand boldly before those that want to take us out. And then he went further. May it not only be in word, but may it also be in demonstration by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I thought they were already filled with the Holy Spirit. They needed another one. You need another dose. Well, they got filled just two chapters earlier, and they got filled again. That's why we're doing our refresh nights the first Wednesday. Why? Because we get tapped out there. We get run dry out there. And you got to have a place to come to where the Spirit of God is welcome and we're not putting holds and restrictions and limitations and saying, you got this long and you can only do this much and we're only gonna sing these songs and we're gonna stay in this key and we're only gonna do this and allow this and have this, but a place where the free reign of the Holy Spirit can be allowed to operate and we yield to that and we follow that and we're strengthened by that. And they were filled with boldness. 1 Thessalonians chapter one, verse five. 1 Thessalonians chapter one, verse five. 1 Thessalonians chapter one, verse five. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. He says, our gospel did not come to you in word only. In word only. But it came in the power, the power of the Holy Spirit and much assurance assurance. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. In these last days, I believe there's a tide turning. Going forward from here, regardless of what the day looks like, there's going to be a fight on our hands. The church of the living God is going to have to be a people that have been with Jesus, not disconnected from his body, not deficient in the word, not knowing what the the word says, not knowing how to live by it and apply it, not isolated and vulnerable and out doing our own little thing and finding the most convenient way to say we're a part of a church when we're not. We need a people that are unified with their company, speaking the same, one accord, look like each other, talk like each other, sound like each other, respond like each other. Come on, we should all have the same response. All should have the same response. Not all the the from one end of the spectrum to the other. There, there is a, a, a value in diversity. There is a value in, in having many different broads of things, but at the end of the day, there is one way to accomplish this mission and only one way. We need unity in the company. We will not tolerate, we will not allow those that decide to go off the rails, those that decide to attack. Part of the role of a shepherd is keeping the wolves out. Hello? I said part of the role of a shepherd. You don't want a shepherd that just allows whatever through those doors. You don't want it. You don't want that. That's not a body. A body that allows infection, a body that tolerates cancer, a, a body that allows things that are eventually gonna spread to the rest of the body and kill it? You wouldn't allow that in your own body. We don't allow it in the body of Christ. And we need a church that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Gone are the days where you can stick the Holy Spirit in his corner. Gone are the days where you can let him out just to, just to let everybody know that you are a Spirit-filled church. Gone are the days that, that we, can, we can have the limits and the restrictions I'm not saying things are all of a sudden gonna be wild and chaos and nasty. The Bible uh, tells us that the Holy Spirit doesn't bring confusion, He brings clarity. He's a leader and a guide of truth. He'll help you know better, not worse. He's not the author of confusion. He does it in an orderly way. But we need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you and I aren't good enough on our own. We can't do it on our own. We need a helper, we need signs and wonders. We need the undeniable miracles. We need demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. We need words of wisdom and words of knowledge and words of re- revelation. We need the gift of the, the gifts of the Spirit in operation in the church. We need the gift of faith and the gift of miracle, the working of miracles. And we need the discernment. We need discernment in these last days. I said, we need discernment. What's discernment? Being able to distinguish and tell the difference between things are becoming so cloudy and so run together, we don't even know what's good and what they're calling evil good and calling good evil. And people are buying it. They're buying it. We need discernment in these last days. Understand the motives and the agendas behind, not just what's on the surface. We need the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We need love and joy and peace. We need patience. We need self-control in these last days. We need the Holy Spirit operating like he did in the book of Acts. Look, what we're facing today and what's ahead of us today is nothing that we haven't faced before. I've told you many times that the church thrived, grew, advanced in the face of opposition. Bring it on. We're just gonna get better threaten us and we're just going to come back stronger. But we have to have, this is what we have to have in these last days. And I don't care if I'm talking to a room with a a handful of people, this is all we need. There was 120 out of 500. And it went on to say that these men turned the world upside down.